Don't let readiness be the prerequisite to obedience. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because if we're always waiting to be ready, mm -hmm. we'll use that as an excuse to yeah, not yeah. be obedient. That's true. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the More Purpose Podcast. Where we talk everything from faith to finances. I'm your host, Claren. And your co-host, Marlon. And we are back with another episode yes, once sir. again with another special guest. Yeah. What we got in the building, man? Today, we are sitting down with a powerful man of God, Pastor Vernon Gordon. He is lead pastor of the Life Church. He has two locations in Richmond and Alexandria, VA. He is a father. He is a husband and also an author. And today, we're just glad to speak to you on today, man. Man, honored to be here. Excited. Yeah. Thank y'all for hanging out. Yes, sir. Man, I'm excited about our conversation. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for having us, first yeah. of all, because as y'all can see the set. Yeah. Where his beautiful church, crazy set, crazy outside. It's amazing. Everything. We it's love beautiful. it. Like, we taking notes. Yeah, we <laughs> so, definitely are. Y'all can use it anytime. Yes, sir. We, nah, appreciate, love. we appreciate it. Yes, sir. So kind of, we just want to start from your origin story. Tell us who Pastor Vernon Gordon is. Man, such a great question. So I'll start with, uh, I think, the two parts of my story that have most formed who I am today. Mm -hmm. uh, starting with, I'm a former cancer patient, uh, mm -hmm. 10 years old, uh, had two tumors, uh, oh. ended up having surgery every year from 10 to 22 years old. Uh, went through three years of chemotherapy. Wow. Uh, they told me I would die three times. Wow. Um, That's great. And so I like to say I'm here today not talking about uh, a God I heard about, but a God mm -hmm. I experienced firsthand yeah. in my life. And, uh, and going through that experience, facing death at a very young age, thinking about uh, the fragility of life, uh, it really allows you to appreciate moments. Mm -hmm. And so uh, ministry for me actually didn't start in sanctuaries. They started in the hospitals. Wow. Um, I was a young teenager, and uh, and our hospital had saw kind of how we navigated uh, surgery after surgery. I've now had 14 surgeries and they saw our family kind of continue to rally together and still laugh and yeah, cut up and play yeah, cards yeah. in the hospital room. And they said, hey, would you mind talking to newly diagnosed patients mm -hmm. uh, about the experience they can have and how to keep joy throughout it? And so I started going into these people's rooms, and man, like I'm talking to people twice my age, yeah. and I'm sharing with them, hey, you're going to be all right, you're yeah. going to make it. I didn't know what I was talking about, but I was just walking in. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I fell in love with something I saw, that you could walk into a room and people be downtrodden, and you could walk out of a room mm -hmm. and they experience hope. Yeah. And I said, I don't know what that is, but I want to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so I like to say my purpose is to be a communicator of hope. Mm -hmm. I get to do that on pulpits, but I also get to do it in hospital rooms and yeah. everything in between. So, uh, so that's a part of how I got into ministry, yeah. uh, walking from room to room. And then also, I came from a very diverse family. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother uh, is the oldest of three black children that my grandmother had. Her and my white grandpa from Bath Springs, Tennessee, yeah. fell in love. Uh, they got married. The first year interracial marriage was legal in the state of wow. Virginia. That's crazy. Uh, they got in a whole bunch of fights and a whole bunch <laughs> of stuff. And uh, they had two children together. My mom, two youngest siblings are biracial. Uh, mm -hmm. So five of them in total. They, they One of my uncles married a woman from Sierra Leone, West Africa, another one from Puerto Rico. So I like to say Thanksgiving was confusing. <laughs> and, uh, and also it gave us a great opportunity to just learn like the beauty of humanity yeah. uh, beyond a background, beyond ethnicity. So those two things really informed uh, who I am today, and and uh, and that's who Vernon Gordon is. And then I lead a church. Uh, yeah. I have the privilege of doing that. Uh, we have one, two locations, uh, expanding to five by the end of 2025. Uh, two beautiful children, Madison and Jackson, mm. nine and eight. And uh, my lovely wife, Ashley, I met at 16, swept her off her feet in high school. Yeah. And uh, she still <laughs> like me, and I love her. That's so, what's up. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's crazy. Uh, starting off, uh, cancer, that's big. You say age 10? Yeah, 10 years old when 10 I was 10 years yeah. old. How was that? And that's wild. During that time period, did you have a relationship with God at the time? 
Yeah, it's such a great question. I mean, I think, you know, when you grow up in church, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. by force. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I went to church. My grandmother started the church I grew up in, in her garage. And so everybody, my whole family went to the church. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I like to say what happened for me was I actually struggled with my faith mm-hmm. through that journey. And uh, because I would be the kid who was in hospital rooms. And, uh, and what many people don't know is my parents would sometimes work down in Hampton Roads, but the only specialist who could treat my condition at the time was in Richmond. Okay. So I was mm-hmm. an hour and a half, two hours away from home, and, uh, and I would be asking these deep questions about life, right, yeah. 10, 11 years mm-hmm. old, uh, before they transferred me back home. And I couldn't understand how church people could be in church all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand how they could sing for hours. Uh, I don't know if y'all grew up in a church like mine, but we yeah. had second service. Yeah. And oh, we had dinners in between. <laughs> yeah, everything. And golf all day and shop mm-hmm. all day, but they couldn't come visit the sick kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, wow. uh, and I really struggled with that. Um, and I, I, I left that experience saying, okay, and they told me I would die, and I'm still here. So God is real. Yeah. yeah. What role does the church have with all of this? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that sent me on a journey to really explore how to understand not just God, but his church. Uh, and so, yeah, I like to say I had a relationship with God, mm-hmm. no doubt, but I had to learn how to love his church. Yes. And, uh, and that was a beautiful journey. Yes. I want to backtrack real quick because sure. you said that your faith was basically like tested in a way. Mm-hmm. How was your faith in the moments where you had to encourage others knowing that you were yeah. still sick? Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. You know, I think part of what life is about in humanity is we, we all get this opportunity. And I think it's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Whether to invite people into our misery. Yeah. Or to use our pain to encourage somebody else's promise. Talk. And I think what often happens is we want people, they say misery loves company. Yeah. yeah. We want people to be miserable with us. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> As opposed to saying, yeah. no, my pain is an opportunity to be somebody else's promise. Mm-hmm. So what am I learning from my pain? What am I learning from my experience that can help somebody else find joy, find hope, find encouragement? So I think for me, yeah, it was hard. I yeah. don't want to like mm-hmm. give you no yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Sure. It was hard. Uh, but I think early on, I said, hey, if I can't feel better in my body, I can't mm. feel better in my soul. Mm, that's good. And I think if we can ever adopt that mentality, yeah. like, man, mm-hmm. my situation might not be changing. Yeah. My circumstance might not change. But also my joy isn't predicated on my circumstance. Yes. And, uh, and I think that was just something I just learned early on. Uh, I also think perspective matters. Definitely. Mm-hmm. When you see other kids on that, that wing of the hospital uh, facing death, losing hair, losing strength, uh, uh, diagnosis, losing limbs, it puts mm. things in perspective, yeah. right? Sure, some sure. of what we uh, uh, are looking at in life as our pain is really an invitation to see around us that, that God has given us a lot of favor mm. to. And mm-hmm. so we just have to look for the good, That's even true. in the midst of the bad. That's good. I, I know dealing with all of those surgeries and different things like that, it could be very discouraging. Um, when did you feel like you got your first win? Yeah. Ooh. Hey, boy. Hey, that's a great question. So I, I would say, here's, I'm a big advocate for this. Yeah. And you mean win like W-I-N, Yeah, right? W-I-N, yeah. yeah. So here's what I would say. Uh, I believe that uh, often we don't get a chance to really enjoy the journey to the big win mm-hmm. because we don't celebrate the many wins. Yes, it's true. Right? There are many miracles, M-I-N-I, yeah. on the way to mm. the over, like the overarching miracle. Yeah. And so for me, man, like, I think like something as small as like, at the time I went into cancer, my parents- right? We're separated. 
And uh, and even though I would have chosen another way to yeah. go about this, like mm-hmm. my parents and my family spent more time together through that wow. experience, and I started yeah. to recognize, man, this is a mini, yeah, yeah. that's amazing, right? That my family is united and connected yeah. uh, as a result of this. Um, I think another mini miracle along the way was like, even though I was waiting on my final healing, right, uh, watching the hope show up in other families, right, was yeah. a mini miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big win for me, of course, was the first time I entered remission at 13 years mm-hmm. old, mm-hmm. and uh, and to be able to to ring that bell, uh, yes, to be able to have that yeah. moment when it was like, I beat cancer, yeah. right? It was like the first one when I was like, oh yeah, yeah. ain't nothing about to stop yeah. me right now. Like, yes. like, I beat this. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that can beat me. So mm-hmm. um, so I think that was definitely 13 years old, man, seeing that. Uh, if I can give a second one, this is my, my fun yeah. one. Uh, so I, I had six surgeries by that point, metal in my leg, total knee replacement. I got all metal for my knee to my hip, and they told me I would never walk without a walker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I decided to try out for my high school basketball team. Now, I was 14 years old, uh, or 15, going into, going into 15, I was a 10th grader, and uh, my mom told me I couldn't try out. So I lied. <laughs> yeah. I it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I lied for six days trying out for my high school basketball for team. Made the team, became team captain. Yeah. Uh, even though he told me I would never walk without a walker, so I played that season. Uh, I won't great. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but again, that was another win. Yeah, man. Like, it was up. a win to say, like, what, what the enemy meant for evil, yeah. God meant for my good. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. How was your faith in those seasons where – you got your first win, but then it felt like something else came right back after that. Man, Going through the other surgeries and everything else that came from the 10 to 22, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so like, yeah, where was your faith that knowing that you have got a win, but then it felt like you got knocked right back down? Mm. So good. So I like to say that faith, two things. Faith is not the absence of fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the intersection where we choose to yeah. trust God yeah. mm-hmm. over trusting our emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to really encourage people with that truth, right? Because I think sometimes we think if I'm afraid, it must mean I don't trust God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting because I see all throughout scripture, people who are like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust you, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the story of Gideon, right? He's Mm -hmm. on the edge of battle. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's about to do something that he felt unqualified for, unequipped for. And then I, I, I love this passage. It says that God came to him and said, if you are afraid, and he doesn't take his promise away. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't take his assignment away. He says, if you are afraid, go down and listen to the enemy's camp, and I will show you confirmation wow. that you're going to have victory. So good. Which means that God is not afraid of our fear. Mm-hmm. We just are. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and so crazy. I think a big part of it was like learning to embrace fear mm-hmm. as like not a symbol that God is not with me or that I don't trust God, but learning how to trust God in spite of my emotions. I think yeah. the other thing is what the enemy can't kill in faith, he kills in fatigue. Mm. And so I think part yeah. of it is I had to learn how to be like, man— Tired, right, is the enemy's greatest window of opportunity to take me away from promise. And I I just had to learn that it's also important to rest even in warfare, Yeah, right? Sometimes we only learn how to just be fighting the battle and winning the battle. And I had to learn, like, no, God also commands rest. In God's Mm -hmm. economy, rest is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Yeah. And the reason why we need that is because many of us rest from work, but we don't work from rest, Mm. right? And so I learned that the enemy tried to kill a lot of seasons of faith with fatigue. Mm. And I yeah. had to learn how to balance that out and say, no, I can make it if I just get the rest to keep mm-hmm. showing up the battle. Yes. That's amazing. Jesus Christ. You said that was 10 to 22? Yeah, yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So when did officially the official ministry start? Yeah, 2015. 2015. 2015, okay. man. So uh, July of 2015, we launched the Life Church. Yeah. Uh, it was an amazing, scary journey yeah. here mm-hmm. attached to it. Um, I had grown up in a small family church. I had served as a youth pastor and as a campus pastor, but still in a smaller context mm-hmm. uh, than what we see now. And so uh, so just felt like the Lord gave me a vision one day. I was sitting in the parking lot at Gold's Gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was about to go in, yeah. and uh, and I'm not a crier, 
But I was like, yo, I'm weeping right yeah. now. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And I just saw this vision. And I felt like God gave me um, like an option. I felt like I saw like a fork in the road. And I felt like God was like, hey, you're in this, the Baptist context right now. You're leading mm -hmm. amazing youth ministry. You have a great church that you're a part of. Yeah. You can keep doing this, and you're going to help a lot of people. Or... Right? You can follow me down this path, and, man, you're going to serve diverse people, diverse generations, mm -hmm. diverse ethnicities, uh, and there are going to be thousands of people who are going to come, and it's going to be a different context of innovation, but yeah. you're going to impact the world. And uh, and so July of 2015, I went back home and told my wife, hey, I thank God is calling us to start a church. Yeah. And uh, we prayed together, came into covenant with our pastors. July 2015, uh, just celebrated our eight-year anniversary this That's past year. Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, so, yeah, one church, two locations, Richmond and Alexandria, Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, with expansion on the way yeah. to five campuses at the end of, by the end of 2025. Yeah. And uh, it's been a beautiful ride. That's really good. Cool. Yeah. How – I love that. Like, that's crazy. But <laughs> – when you chose to basically take that, pick up the phone and answer God's call on to walk in fully into ministry, did you have any type of pressure or fear even doing in that in that aspect? Like, what was the pressure that came from that? And then how did you navigate going through the qualifying aspect of, all right, God, I think I'm ready to really walk fully in what you have called me to do? Yeah. So here's the first thing. I want to start where you ended and then work backwards. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're ever ready for the call that God gave you. Ever. ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, hear me loud and clear. Yeah. Don't let readiness be the prerequisite to obedience. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because if we're always waiting to be ready, mm -hmm. we'll use that as an excuse to yeah, not be obedient. That's true. Right? That's good. So uh, I, there was a whole bunch of fears I had, right? Like, mm. I, I only knew pastors who were, like, buttoned up <laughs> yeah. and, like, like weren't funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, really serious. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, I'm too casual for mm -hmm. this. I, yeah. I, I like to tell stories. I mm -hmm. like to laugh. Yeah. I, I did not see myself. Mm -hmm. Right? And so because I had not seen myself... That was a fear. That was an insecurity. Mm -hmm. uh, I also felt like one of the barriers to obedience was like, I mean, people don't talk about this, but like resources. Yeah. Like I was like, I ain't got no money to start no yeah, church. Yeah. I had uh, a newly married. I had an infant. Mm -hmm. uh, here's what most people don't know. All right, I'm gonna give y'all yeah. backstory, exclusive yeah. story. Uh, literally, we had announced to our church we were gonna start the church, mm -hmm. and then within six weeks of announcing to our church, like they brought us up for the church, they leave in, like they start the church. Yeah. <laughs> within six weeks, two things happened. One. A ministry friend of mine called me and said, hey, man, there's this church in Charlotte I'm on a search committee for, uh, their youth pastor, and they want to pay $80,000 a year for you yeah. to move to Charlotte, which my wife was like, Charlotte is booming, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And, uh, and and the job is yours if you want it. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, God, I ain't never seen yeah, $80,000, yeah. nothing, yeah. right? Also, uh, literally, we announced we were starting a church. We had planned a budget with one child, an infant, mm -hmm. and then my wife calls me one day within six weeks, and she says, Hey, um, just let you know I'm pregnant. We got a second kid. Oh, you know, like, God, can't tell me. Can't tell me the budget. Yeah. Kids, even jobs. Yeah. So there were many reasons to say no. Yeah. Right. Legitimate reasons to say mm -hmm. no. Uh, but what I've come to find is that uh, God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, obedience is not about convenience. Mm. Right. Hello. Yeah. And we, if we're not careful, we can miss the window of God mm -hmm. because we are hesitant or what I call paralysis yeah. prevents us from walking in promise. Yeah. Promise has a pace. Mm. And if you miss the pace of promise, you mm. could be like, but God, why is so-and-so being blessed? And why yeah. is so-and-so doing mm -hmm. Because they stayed in the pace of promise. Yes. And so I think, man, that was the biggest thing. Yeah, all the insecurities, all the fears in the world, but uh, saying yes to God. Like, you know, he invited Peter on the water. And, mm. uh, and I think we forget, too, that Peter did fall. Yes. Yes. Sink. yes. Mm -hmm. But he still was the only one who walked. Yeah, hello. yeah. And a lot of us are like, I don't want to get wet, and it's like, yeah. But at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, he was the only who walked. That's yeah. true. And so I think, man, I just encourage everybody, like, get out on the water, 
and even if you're imperfect with it, mm-hmm. right, the mm-hmm. testimony will still be, but you went. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we want to do. I, okay. I think that's very encouraging to me because I definitely go through the paralysis thing where yeah. I'm looking at all the what could happen, yep. the fears, mm-hmm. and to where I look up, I haven't made a move. Mm-hmm. And I'm still in the boat. And I'm looking around. <laughs> and there's somebody that got out the boat, and now I'm looking at them like, oh, well, you could have got out the boat too, you yeah. know? So uh, definitely, that definitely touched me. Um, I want you to talk about how important your wife was mm-hmm. in this process. Was she with you in the process of cancer as well? Uh, yeah. I get, I'll tell you how that Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, certainly we met when we were 16. Okay. Um, so I was done with cancer and mm-hmm. treatment. However, um, what I was not done with was surgeries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 16 years old, we meet. And I remember uh, me thinking, man, like, you know, I'm this kid with this limp, right? Mm-hmm. I, got a, I got one leg that worked well and one that don't. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, consistent because I, at 16, I would get a surgery mm-hmm. and then she would have to drive me around wow. yeah, right? yeah. for six months or so. And I'm, I mean, if I wanted to go somewhere and I'm like, man, I cried, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. around, you know, yeah. um, but what, what I know is that God sent her in my life. Her maturity at 16, mm-hmm. um, she came into my life and said, one, she was the first person that called me to a spiritual standard mm. because in church, if you're the most charismatic and I was like, I, I did music, and you can sing the best yeah, solo. Yeah, yeah. People will overlook your character for your talent. That's true. That's, That's true. Yeah. And she was the first person to be like, if you're gonna be with me, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna love God beyond the platform. Yeah. yeah. And so, man, I think that was one of the gifts that she brought to my life. That was good. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that was great about walking with my wife was, um, while she wasn't there for cancer, she was seeing all the the residual effects, mm-hmm. and she began to call out in me not just the physical journey. But the emotional journey, mm. making me helping me to deal with, yeah. right? That hey, there's some some scar tissue, mm-hmm. emotionally, some pride and some 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 uh, some arrogance that that is coming. Like you, yeah, you mm. overcame that. Yeah, but like there's some scar tissue from you being the person who always has to overcome. Yeah, right. And so she really allowed me uh, to 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 open uh, myself in those ways to see those conversations. Um, I, I'm gonna tell y'all a story that we won't tell often, right? Yeah, it's family, right? Yeah, 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 yeah we good. Yeah, we good. Let me tell you when I knew. I was gonna marry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I graduated high school, and I was two, uh, a few days away from uh, uh, out of out of graduation, and I had to get another major surgery. Mm-hmm. And there were complications with that surgery, right? So they had accidentally cut a vein, um, mm-hmm. and there was internal bleeding. And so uh, they needed somebody to stay up with me for twenty four hours pumping morphine. Now here's the bad part of the story: I had broke up with her the day after our high school oh, graduation. Oh Lord! I was going to college. <laughs> And I was like, man, you know, I want to see what else is out there. And I don't yeah. want to break your heart. Yeah. And I don't want to be unfaithful. But I just want to see what else is out there. And so uh, this is a few days, a couple of days after that, she still, right, talked to my mom and decided to come and support me in the hospital mm. after my surgery. And when my mom, my mom was sick and, and couldn't stay up with me, she stayed up for 24 hours pumping morphine for me. And you, bro- you broke up with her. Who broke her heart two days before. <laughs> wow. Uh, That's crazy. To make sure I was healthy. And when I woke up and came to... Uh, I, I knew I still wasn't, watch this, I knew I was not ready to be the man she needed me to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I said, when I am, yeah. this is the woman I'm going to spend the rest yeah. of my life with. And so uh, so I just encourage anybody, like, don't, you know, I had to be very mindful of just because you did something great doesn't mean I'm ready to be great for you. Mm-hmm. But when I am, I knew very clearly mm-hmm. that's, that's the, the type of woman yes. I want to spend the rest of my life with. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, she was a part of all of that. Yeah, fellas, I hope y'all listening up. Hey, that was listen, good. I got to listen myself. Listen up. <laughs> I'm taking notes. Yeah. How did you pace yourself in the having the emotional maturity to know I see what you just did? 
I'm still not there yet. I'm not there yet, but I will be. Like, how'd you pace yourself in that aspect? Yeah, I'll start personally. I mean, I think for me, I had seen uh, my mom and dad go through ebbs mm-hmm. and flows uh, in the roller coaster ride yeah. of, of relationship. Um, and I, you know, my parents were separated, and then they got back together, separated, got back together, and eventually got a divorce. Yeah. And uh, and I think you know, for me, it was part of it was just like trying to be observant, right? To mm-hmm. say what lessons can I learn from where I've been? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to honor my parents. I think they both uh, were extremely mature. And being able to say, even in their differences, they never let it compromise their love for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, okay, I think I think we do two things with trauma like that, right? We either perpetuate it mm-hmm. or we choose to break the cycle. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. I just needed to make up uh, in my mind, like, okay, I saw one of the things that I didn't want is to jump into things prematurely yeah. uh, that I knew I wasn't emotionally ready for. So part of it was learning from the lessons I had seen. Um, I think the other thing that was really important for me was... Uh, I think you need great people in your life who hold you accountable. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I had friends in my life who was like, I was like, yeah, man, I'm gonna call. He's like, bro, stop playing, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, your your mind didn't change yeah, in two weeks, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think what we miss often in our world today is a lot of us run from true accountability mm-hmm. because we think the people who make us feel the best are the best for us. Yeah, but most of the time, right? Surgery, right, is a painful process that leads to a promise. Yeah. <laughs> And good friends perform surgery, right? Good friends say, hey, I love you enough to tell you this needs to come out yeah. mm-hmm. for you to live long and happy, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think I have some just good friends in my life yeah. who are like, hey, I love you enough to tell you, like, loving her requires a different level of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So be patient with yourself and be patient jumping back in. That's good. Yeah. And I love that you had friends around you to even tell you that because a lot of people, you know, they yes men, you know, they wouldn't tell you when you're wrong. And sometimes we surround ourselves with people to where they allow us to live below a standard that we're called mm-hmm. to live, you know, and you would never go nowhere like that. Yeah. Um, but I want to tap back into the ministry. I want to take a little segue. Um, what was one of the biggest lessons you learned in starting a church? I know you said you started off as a youth pastor, yeah. but how was that becoming the the number one man? Everybody's looking <laughs> to you, you know, and stepping into foreign territory. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think I'll start with this thought. That's one I want to pause and say, y'all yeah. have some great questions. <laughs> um, and I and I and I honor you for that. I think part of stepping into foreign territory, I love the way you frame that, mm. is you cannot step into new without being a student. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think people miss more often than not is they jump into the next without being a student of where they're headed. Mm-hmm. Wow. I was a rigorous and voracious learner, reader. I called five leaders that I admired at the time, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, I want to come and sit in a staff meeting, and I want to be a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. And I came with great questions. Pet peeve for all leaders, right? Come with questions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? And so I came with great questions. Um, and I just, man, I learned. Like I took six months, and I said, anybody who will let me ask questions, anybody who will let me see them lead, I will take advantage yeah. of. So mm-hmm. part of it was I became a student of where I wanted to go next. Mm-hmm. Of, of the new territory. I think the other thing that I've learned about leadership is um, leadership is about taking two people. I love this quote. Leadership is about taking people to a place mm-hmm. that they did not want to go. Wow. But when they get there, they thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. about the influence of saying, Hey, there's a place I want to take you and you might not want to go there right now. Yeah. But when we get there, man, we're going to be happy. We went there. Together. Yeah. Um, I think a big part of that journey for me and stepping into it, was believing enough in the vision. Mm. 
to be confident to say, hey, go with me. And yes. I know you don't know where we're headed, but when we get there, we're all going to be happy we went. Yeah. And I think not enough leaders believe in their vision enough That's true. to get people to follow them into the dark. That's true. Look at Jesus. Drop the net and follow me. Where? <laughs> yeah. We're going to walk around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the end of three years, yeah. you're going to be happy you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with leaders, I think we're so afraid sometimes because we don't have the end worked out mm -hmm. that we're afraid to tell people, follow me to what's next. Yeah. Great leadership is not about always knowing the end, but it is about knowing what's next. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, when we started the church, I did not see two campuses because I had never been a part of a church that had two campuses. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. And this is why I always tell people vision evolves. Mm -hmm. This is why most of us don't see all that God has for us because we're always waiting for the end and God only shows us what's next. Yeah. Yes. So he's like, walk into what's next. Then I'll show you what's next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then walk into that, mm -hmm. and I'll show you what's next. And so my biggest advice, man, and my biggest uh, learning, it was just like, okay, what's next? We're gonna start a church, and then what's next? Oh, we're gonna grow and go here, and what's next? Oh man, what if you know started to connect with people? And was like, oh man, we can do multi site, we can do this, and what's next? Yeah. And so it's just about loving the journey mm -hmm. more than the destination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of how I jumped into it, and uh, and it's it's been you know the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Next to Mary, my wife, and yeah, yeah. To Jesus, yeah, <laughs> that was good. I I love what you said about being a student of the game, yes. um, and actually doing the work of calling out those leaders that you looked up to and yeah. getting in those meetings. Mm -hmm. um, some people know what's coming and still don't prepare, you know. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I love that you prepared. And I think that's a that's a key a key point that many of us need to take, regardless of what field or career path that you are in. Yep. Look at who is already doing what you're doing at a great pace and that you admire, and and call and ask questions and ask those different things that you need. I think that will prepare you along the way. And if I can add to that, like you know, everybody who starts something thinks about it like, oh, we're gonna be excellent. We're yeah. Excellent. Here's what I come to find: are two enemies to excellence, right? Entitlement and excuses, mm -hmm. right? Excuses will tell me uh, there's there's always a good reason not to start. Yeah, right. That's true. Perfectionism, paralysis, mm -hmm. I don't got enough resources, I don't got enough people. But entitlement is the one that kind of gets us. Mm -hmm. Because if I believe that people should just follow or yeah. I should just work, mm -hmm. right, then I don't take the type of excellence into preparation needed. And so I tell people, man, you got to overcome entitlement and excuses yeah. if you're going to do anything God asked you to do mm -hmm. in excellence. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's not always pretty. Yeah. Like, it's not always put together. Um, but but if you can ever embrace the journey, man, it's a beautiful ride. Yeah. It's a beautiful ride. Yeah. I wanted to backtrack into the aspect of when you start, talked about how you have the church expanding, having two campuses and growing for more. Yeah. At such a young age, how has God worked on your pride in that aspect? Mm, and that's the, a good question. The, and being on the cutting table in that aspect of knowing that y'all are growing at such a fast pace at such a young age, but also having to have a heart posture of, God, I'm still serving you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the, the God piece is always a starting point. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at uh, the word worship uh, theologically in its origin, in its original Greek language, um, worship starts... Right. The, 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 the inception or the origin of worship is actually weeping. It is actually mm -hmm. the closer I get to God, the more I see how much I need him. Yes. Right. Anytime worship leads you to see or to think higher of yourself. Yeah. You have placed yourself as an idol above God. Mm -hmm. Right. What worship really reveals to us is the closer I get to him, the more I see I need him. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there is a a woe, a weeping, a, a revelation of my mm. frailty yeah. and my inadequacy yeah. the closer I get to his glory. So that's the first thing, man, like prayer, devotion, 
uh, just constantly spending time with God to see, like, I'm not enough. Yeah. I need you. Yeah. Uh, so on and so on. I also think who you keep around you yeah. mm-hmm. matters so much, mm-hmm. right? So this is why it matters who you marry. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when I walk off the stage at TLC, <laughs> my wonderful wife, yeah. right, reminds me of my humanity, of my love. She honors, she, she, she supports, mm-hmm. but I, I'm in safe space with her to yeah. be vulnerable. Yeah. I'm reminded, same thing with friendship, right? Uh, I think it's who you keep around you. So I have friends mm-hmm. who I get a chance to encourage. Yeah. And I like mm-hmm. to say, you always need people who you're helping up. You also mm-hmm. need people who you're rolling with. You mm-hmm. also need people who you reach up. Mm-hmm. I got friends in my life who I could be like, man, we killing it. And then I get around yeah. them and be like, no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's humility, right? Yeah. Like there's always another level. And so just it's the, the tension, right? We, we like to say here, some things are problems to solve and some things are tensions to manage. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the tension to manage is being proud of what you've done being mm-hmm. humble enough to know there's more to do yes. Yes. and seeing that around you. So that's been great uh, for me. I, I say this lastly, man, like while I'm super excited for what God has, do- mm-hmm. has done and what he continues to do, uh, I think that like once you kind of really tap in with God, particularly like uh, in prayer and discernment, God is always showing you, right, like potential, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what T.D. Jake says. He says that Moses operates in three phases, right? We look at Moses, mm-hmm. right? Moses in one season, right, was uh, um, somebody who was with the people, yeah. Yeah. right? In another season, he was in front of the people. Mm-hmm. And then his last season, he was above the people, Wow. Mm-hmm. right? In one season, he's with the people going to the Red Sea, right? Mm-hmm. I got to be with them. Right. And the next season, he's ahead of the people. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the last season, his arms are lifted on the mountaintop yeah. so they can win the battle. And I think just knowing what season you're in, sometimes you got to be in the season where you feel it with people, yeah. which helps you stay humble, which helps you stay, hey, there's a lot more improvement to do. Yeah. In some seasons, you got to be a little bit ahead in vision, and God is showing you what's next and mm-hmm. getting you out front. Foresight. And uh, you got to embrace that. And in some seasons, you got to know, like, hey, the place to me to be is on the mountain praying yes. and seeking God and mm-hmm. keeping my hands lifted. And I got to be out the weeds. And knowing that rhythm, and that cycle helps you, I think, uh, helps us kind of like maintain pride, like mm-hmm. keep it where it needs to be uh, and make sure that we constantly stay in, in the that. rhythm that we Yeah, that's amazing. Jotting that down. Right. The, the cycle. Right yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. What's up, family? We hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We can't do what we do without your support. So if you feel led to give, we appreciate you for sowing into the vision God gave us to advance the kingdom of God. And we hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. One of the great <laughs> one of the great traits of leaders, I believe, is um, surrounding yourself with a great team. Um, I know you mm-hmm. couldn't do this by yourself. And one thing we've seen is that you have an amazing team around you. Amazing team, and, yeah. Amazing team. And we amazing love team. we love sports, so we always look at sports yeah. teams. You got the Bulls, you got you <laughs> yeah. got the Lakers. You have so many sports teams, whether it's football, basketball. Yep. And one thing we love the most is that great coaches always put great players in the game that can do different things. Mm-hmm. Um, how important was getting a team around you that can help you get to this vision? It is not possible without great teams, right? Mm -hmm. And I I just want to pause and note, we have, uh, I I love a lot of churches and a lot of leaders, but I'm biased. We have the best team in the world. Uh, I'm so honored that I get the privilege Right to be able to to walk with this team, yeah. they don't have to take this journey. Yeah. With them. yeah, and so my wife and I are, are spoiled by the amazing talent and high character people that God has placed around mm-hmm. us. Um, I think to your question, and if I could frame it this way, yeah. like I think when you are thinking about building those teams, there's a few things to think about. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, the first thing is have enough humility to know what you're not. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. I think where many leaders um, kind of start the journey is they uh, they hire or they bring around them people who are copies of themselves, mm -hmm. which makes it fun. Yeah. But it doesn't make you better. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so the first thing you have to think about is have enough humility to say, what are my blind spots? What are my weaknesses? Yeah. And then hire or bring people around you that fill that void. Mm -hmm. I'm not administrative. My God. Yeah. Right. Let's Put yeah. a spreadsheet in front of me. You can wash yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Nah. But there's some people around me who mm -hmm. are like, oh, give me that, man. That, that's done in an hour. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's young talent. Right. Uh, I know you guys have had a conversation with one of our amazing team members, uh, Sierra Thomas. Yeah. Right. And she's Gen Z. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm 36, right? But mm -hmm. I don't be understanding. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah. having her insight and Pastor Alvin's insight helps me understand, like, okay, I'm missing some stuff. Mm -hmm. I got some blind spots and how mm -hmm. we build the infrastructure of our church. Um, so that's important, right? Know where you're weak. Yeah. Know your blind spots and then bring people around to fill those voids. Yeah. To mm -hmm. make a great team, mm -hmm. yeah. right? Jordan needed some shooters, yeah. right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I need a big man yeah. to give me a second chance opportunity. Yeah. So that's important. The second thing I think with leaders is leaders always have to check their insecurities. Mm -hmm. Because if you do not manage your insecurities, you will always be afraid to bring talent around you. Wow. And for a lot of leaders, the reason why the health or the improvement of our organizations or our initiatives or our movements don't last is because we were too insecure to put greatness around us. Yeah. Right? Look at LeBron, Chris mm -hmm. Bosch, Dwayne Wade. Somebody got to take less shots. Yes, yeah, true. Mm -hmm. But at some point, your individual accolade has to lay down so that the team can win. Yes. Yeah. Well, in kingdom work, man, that's the name of the game, mm -hmm. right? Like we are one body. Yeah. The arm needs the foot, the yeah. eye needs the ear. And so I think, man, managing insecurities is really important so that you don't run great people away wow. because you were afraid not to be the greatest for the moment. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right? Um, and then the last thing I would say, man, as far as building teams uh, is, and one of my favorite books um, uh, is um, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Mm -hmm. um, and also I love, I love love another one, right, which is uh, Next Generation Leader by Andy Stanley. And in a nutshell, both of those books deal with uh, people's character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't promote talent over character. Mm. Talent will get you somewhere fast. Yeah. Character will take you far. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen time and time again people try to build teams on talent alone. Yeah. But man, if you got great character, you can always train talent. Yeah. That's right? true. But you can't get character in the talents if you that's true. Thanks. All right. So yeah. I have a question as far as the cause we keep rehearing the aspect of reading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where did you find the habit and the heart posture to know that leaders are readers, but to also have the the mindset of I know I need to read to get ahead or to learn as much as possible to even become the leader I need to be because yeah. a lot of people don't really have the habit of reading like yeah. we're just not getting into it like I'm trying to force myself to read because yeah. I'm looking like bro listen you need to like gain some knowledge <laughs> yeah. to like really get insight and get to where God needs you to be because knowledge is power at the yeah. end of the day oh for sure and what good how much of a leader can I be if I'm not even looking to other leaders that's sure. like pouring it all out in books giving a whole blueprint in books and I'm over <laughs> yeah. here hiding away from it like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. right there <laughs> so let me give you some great I did not start off as a reader. Mm -hmm. Not in high school. <laughs> not in yeah. college. Yeah. Uh, I, do they still got spark notes? Boy, I yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have graduated without spark notes. Y'all hear me? <laughs> Would not have made it. Yeah. So, so the starting point was I just want to be when I want to be, always be transparent. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I think sometimes we compare ourselves to people's yeah. uh, final product. Yeah. Or 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 you can compare yourself to the eight year old leader, mm -hmm. right? But that wasn't year one. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing I would say. 
is uh, I didn't start there. Uh, I think I, I was somebody who felt like, oh, reading is important. But I, I relied on talent, mm-hmm. right? I was like, oh, I can communicate. Yeah, I can yeah. do this. I can, mm-hmm. you know, galvanize. I'll just rely on that. Here are the two things that shifted it for me to your question of when I started knowing that learning and reading was important. Number one, God opened up doors for me to sit with amazing leaders. Mm-hmm. And I started to ask myself this question when I was watching them in the environment or the context they were in. What do they do? Not mm-hmm. just what do they say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people listen to what people say. But I'm like, what produced the result? Yeah. And I, every great leader I've ever met reads. Yeah. And I say, okay, look at Jesus and the disciples, right? Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us that there's only one thing that the disciples explicitly ever asked Jesus to teach them how to do. They saw him work miracles, mm-hmm. raise people from the dead, feed thousands of people. There's only one thing they outright asked him to do. Teach us how to pray. Yeah. Because they saw something that produced a result. Mm-hmm. When I got around great leaders, I was like, all of them <laughs> yeah. are reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so there must be something to that that produces this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. Exposure is the word I would put over top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what kicked it off for me. Number two, uh, I think I started to learn the value of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Right. So I took I started to turn my car into a classroom. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> I started to turn Smart. the gym yeah. into a classroom. Mm-hmm. And when I started to take inventory on my time, I recognized that I had more than enough time to learn. I just was wasting time. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. With things that didn't help me grow. Right or didn't produce a return on investment the way learning did. Mm-hmm. So now, like three times a week, if I'm on a treadmill or if I'm uh, on the elliptical or the stairmaster, I'm listening to a book. Yeah. Or if I'm riding in my car instead of wasting time, right, listening to music. Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I love music. Yeah, I love yeah. Music. Like, <laughs> hey, who don't like music? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I say, hey, I can replace this time three or four times a week mm. with learning. And turning my car mm-hmm. into a classroom and the gym into a classroom has been a game changer. Yeah. So how I manage my time and make space for all those books. I think that's smart because everybody really has the same 24 hours. Sure. It's all about what you choose. And that's what we do. We're in the car. We're listening to podcasts, audio books, different uh, YouTube videos. So many people out there to have amazing videos and things that you can play and learn and different things like that. So yep. I know that's encouragement for more people. It's like, hey, what am I giving my attention to? Am I always listening to music? Am I always watching Netflix? Am I, am I always watching these shows? I'm binge watching when I can't be learning something. So yeah. I believe that's amazing. Um, with with pastoring and growing up in generations and generations are changing and times are changing and different things Mm -hmm. like that. How do you stay relevant without compromising? So I think the beautiful, beautiful tension is what I would call it. Yeah. Uh, So first I think that the gospel is unchanging. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way I like to describe it, I'm an orange juice fan. And uh, as a lover of Tropicana orange juice, uh, (laughs) uh, some years ago, Tropicana changed their bottle from a carton, right, Mm -hmm. to uh, like this new bottle. I don't know. I guess cartons were falling out of people's hands. And uh, but they didn't change the content. Mm. They only changed the packaging. Mm. And I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind with the gospel is that we don't have to change the truth. Mm. but we can evolve the packaging. Yeah. Another way I like to think about it is you can marry the mission, but you can't change the model. Yes. And mm. so a huge part for me is making sure that we don't lose that 
um, that that thought process that as the world is changing, the mission stays the same even yeah. if the model has to evolve. The content stays to change even if the packaging has evolved. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. I think the other side of remaining relevant is listening. Mm. The church, I make a hard statement here, but the church I think has to do a better job at being good listeners. I agree. Mm -hmm. Right? A few things I think about here. One, I think the church sometimes is busy uh, answering questions that nobody's asking. <laughs> yeah. So we still preaching on like, you know, yeah. and this, and you're going to come out and they're like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. What we're talking about at my job yeah. though is politics. Yeah. yeah. Or what we're talking about is sexuality. Yeah. Or what we're talking about is dating. Mm -hmm. Y'all are answering questions, but are you busy answering questions that nobody's asking? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think relevance in part is like just listening enough to say what questions are people mm -hmm. yeah. asking. So we're actually doing a series this June called You Ask For It. Uh, yeah. still, we're going to ask our congregation, like, what are the things you most want me to talk about? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I'm not effectively pastoring people if I'm not answering the questions that they're actually asking. Mm, right. Um, the last thing I'll say about relevance, man, is I think Jesus just models this for us because he knows the context and he cares about the context. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we missed that. Like he knows that the farmer understands seed. Mm -hmm. He knows that the tax collector understands coins. Yeah. And he doesn't come into the context and say, I don't care about what you think. He says, how can I be effective? Yeah. And I think as leaders in the kingdom, uh, we got to just care about being effective again. And we don't have to compromise our value yeah. to think about ways to be effective. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, man, the biggest thing I would say is um, continuing to encourage leaders like myself. I'm just constantly trying to listen yeah. to those around me um, and not be so prideful that I think that I know mm -hmm. what people need before I've even asked. Yeah. That's good. That I want to tie back into earlier when you was talking about just making sure you pace yourself to have enough rest yeah. in God. Like yeah, that's a big one. Do you? How do you basically deal with burnout, or do you deal with burnout? Because yeah. I know I have a hard time. Like basically, God's been dealing with me, dealing with me in that area of like, yo, you burn yourself out doing mm -hmm. things I didn't call you to do. Mm -hmm. So come over here and get this fulfillment yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and see where you actually end up at. And now I've been really feeling rejuvenated and inspired and more passionate about his work because my my dad says all the time, when you make God's business your business, he'll make your business his business. Yeah. So that's been my mindset now as far as, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to manage burnout a little bit easier than what I did before trying to work for money versus working for God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, so the answer is yes. I think burnout is a very real challenge. Mm -hmm. And um, and, it, and it shows up on all of our doorsteps. Mm -hmm. So a couple of the ways I manage it. I, I think the first thing is reminding myself that God's blueprint, mm -hmm. right, is better, yeah. right, than my plans. Hello. And, uh, and if we look at scripture, the longest commandment is keep the Sabbath holy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the most broken commandment is? Keep the Sabbath yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> holy, right? And so I think what, what happens in our culture is that uh, our culture moves at a pace. Uh, Dallas Willard says, hurry uh, or hurry is the spiritual dilemma of our day and age, mm -hmm. that we live hurried lives. Yeah. And so I think reminding ourselves of the blueprint and the design of God, um, that again, rest is not a suggestion, it's a commandment. Mm -hmm. And when we live into God's design, right, his blessings always follow his blueprint. Yeah. Hold on. I, I need to say that one more time. God's <laughs> blessings always follow his blueprint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm not seeing blessing from what I'm doing, is it potentially because mm. I'm operating out of his blueprint, mm. right? 
Where's my rest? Where's my Sabbath? Yeah. Where is that? If God designed it, it must be for my development. Yeah. If God designed it, it must be for my destiny. So the question is not, is it there? The question is, do I trust what he said? Yeah. Right? So I think that's the the first thing. Uh, being, a, again, a former cancer patient, right? The way I liken it is this. Um, every time you go to a hospital, you have three things, right? You get a diagnosis, which says this was wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get a treatment plan, do this, and you yeah. get a prognosis. If you do this, this is the anticipated outcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Many of us want God's promises without his treatment plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. His treatment is rest. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I think we got to find our way there. The other thing, man, that I think is really practical um, is that uh, uh, we have to be very careful not to adopt, right, a cultural pace mm -hmm. that is inconsistent with, again, the pace of promise that God has set out for yeah. you. Yeah. Here's why this is so important. Because God's pace for you may be different than God's pace for me. That's true. Facts. Right? I never forget I was in the gym, and uh, I was on a treadmill, and there was this lady next to me. And uh, and she started, like, jogging, and I was walking. So I had a little pride, <laughs> right? Because uh, I got a whole total knee replacement. Yeah. You turn that thing on. Right, but I was like, not about to do yeah. it. be out here yeah. showing me. Yeah. Oh, you, know, yeah. you saw all these space between these yeah. treadmills. Like, you're next to me. So I started like trying to go a little faster, right? Now look, I got one good leg, yeah. right? She started running. I'm like, I can run, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And before you knew it, I was like, let me get off this treadmill because I'm here trying to move at a pace that God did not design yeah. my body for. Yeah. Right? Well, how many times do we do that in life? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, I'm watching them run, so let me run them. I'm, I'm watching them do it this way. Let me do it this way. And there, watch this. The promises of God only follow God's pace for your life. Yeah. Right? And so. Uh, you know, we got to be constantly just in tune with God to say, what pace do you have me on? I'll say this lastly uh, uh, about just the, the idea of rest and pace and, and avoiding burnout. Um, I think burnout is often an intersection between two things, right? It is, am I still feeling purposeful, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Not just purpose-filled. Yeah. Purpose is like where I want to go. Yeah. Purposeful. I'm using a bunch of time. Do I feel like it's all purposeful, yeah. mm -hmm. right? It's training to show up and do things that you no longer feel are purposeful. Mm -hmm. So sometimes burnout is, I need to reevaluate, are we being efficient? Are the systems working? Yeah. Because, man, we're doing a lot, but are we doing it the right way? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So sometimes that's per burnout purposeful. I think the other side of burnout is, right, has a season changed. Mm. And I'm oh, holding true. on to the fruit that's good. That's true. of a season that has shifted. John 15, 1 through 5, what does he say? He says, uh, he says that he who abides in me bears much fruit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he who bears much fruit, I prune. Yeah. Pruning mm -hmm. is the cutting away at a thing. Yeah. So it's like this. It's a rhythm, right? I like to think of it as a pendulum, yeah. right? So God swings the pendulum to abiding in certain mm -hmm. seasons. But then he says, I do want my sons and yeah. my daughters to bear fruit. So the mm -hmm. pendulum swings to fruitfulness and growth and activity. Yeah. But, but what does he do? When you bear fruit, he's going to prune you. Yeah. He's going to swing the pendulum back. Mm -hmm. Here's what many of us do. We spend seasons where the season is shifted trying to staple fruit back on the tree <laughs> because we think the only way to honor God is to keep being in seasons of fruit mm. when he might be calling us a season of abiding. Yeah. And could it be that our greatest creativity and our greatest productivity is going to be found when we stop doing for a moment so that we can get back to abiding and new ideas and new vision and new work, right? It's going to come and the fruit will show up on the tree again yeah. so we can stop stapling fruit on the tree and actually start bearing real fruit. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? So... Jesus. <laughs> he just went on the master class. <laughs> you had to rewind that one. You had to go back to that one. Um, I know you talked about ministry. Yep. You yep. talked about um, starting off starting off as a youth pastor. Um, did you always knew this was your calling? Or what did you want to do? 
Not this. Yeah. <laughs> Not this. Because mo- yeah. we grew up in a society where many people want to preach. Oh. They want, this is what they want. They, I grow up, I want to be a preacher. I, yeah. I want to be a preacher since I was one, one years old. What? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I never had that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. Hear me clearly. Yeah. I did not think I was going to be a pastor. Yeah. Did not have it on my radar. Um, I, I love God, mm-hmm. but had no contact. So a couple of things. One, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist or an athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. I love sports. Yeah. I knew I wouldn't be able to play because of my physical condition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I just loved uh, all sports. And so I was like, man, I went to school for exercise science with a concentration in pre-physical therapy. Mm. I said, man, I'm going to be a trainer or a therapist for athletes. That was my vision. Mm. Uh, I think coupled with that, I had never seen me pastors that that I wanted their life. True. Mm. That's true. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't see a life of a pastor that I was like, I want that. Mm. Yeah. Right? Like, who wants yeah. I like to say pastors live in a glass house. Yeah. People are always inspecting your life. Mm-hmm. They see every part. I was like, I don't want that. Yeah. Like, I want, I, want, I want this space to leave work and not be inspected. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't run to it. But my grandmother used to always say, you're going to run to your trip and fall. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think that. I didn't. I didn't chase ministry. Ministry chased me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, I just want to encourage people, and they was like, man, you should think about this. And so, um, I, I wasn't pursuing it. I didn't see it in my future. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is literally just a, a response of radical obedience. Now, here's yeah. what I will say: God did for me over the the period where I started to say yes. God then began to connect me with leaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who I could admire their life. Right, not just on the platform, but beyond it. Mm-hmm. The first person to really open me up to the possibility of seeing, um, like, oh, maybe I can do this was Bishop Kim Brown at Mount yeah. Lebanon Church, yeah. Mount Lebanon Baptist Church. Uh, he was the first pastor I had ever seen. Yeah, like talk about his family in a way that made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Talk about his past in a way that he wasn't ashamed of. Yeah. right. He, he humanized the gospel for mm-hmm. me, and I was like, wait a minute, maybe I can, mm-hmm. right, be myself. And be used by yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the grace of God, God began to expose me to other leaders like my pastor, Pastor Micah McCrary, and um, and uh, other friends of mine and leaders uh, that just gave me a window of, 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 of perspective yeah. to be able to say, maybe it's not what I thought, mm-hmm. right? So I would say, uh, yeah, didn't see it coming, but, but, but God's faithfulness kind of chased me down. I also just kind of close that thought with this. I think that for, for a long time, I was like, God, well, I don't need to be a pastor, right, mm-hmm. to help your people. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. I don't got to do this yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here's just the thing I would encourage anybody on. Like, uh, it, the most dangerous thing in the world is to tell God, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. what God needs from you. Yeah. I think a better use of our time is saying, God, what do you need from me? And yes, I can do it many ways, but your way is always going to be the best way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is why I say that. Because some people are trying to be pastors, mm-hmm. and God is trying to use you outside yeah, yeah, of the yeah, pulpit. Yes. So God's purpose for your life can show up outside of a pulpit. Mm-hmm. But if God called you to a pulpit, right, the best thing you can do is say, say yes, yes to God. Yeah. I want to tap more in detail on what you've been learning from being around the great leaders that you've been around. Because yeah. as you said, like they taught you how to, they they gave you the mindset of knowing that you want you need to read to become better at what you do, and it also we can see that you're a great leader amongst your team, how you operate, the oh structure and everything. I want I want to know a little bit more about the what you have learned business-wise and the structure aspect mm-hmm. of running your church and how everything ties in because 
it's a lot of just different behind the scenes business stuff that yeah. nobody really knows about. Yeah. That I want to know about yeah. selfishly. Yeah. <laughs> to really get to know because that knowledge can really help or save. Like people understand that the lights don't just be on, just to be on. Listen, like, it ain't just preaching. Yeah, it's, it's not bills gotta get paid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bills gotta get paid. So I wanna know how do y'all how do you navigate that? What have you been learning? What some tips you may have? Yeah. Anything of the sort. All right. This is fun. I love, so I love uh, the the holistic nature, mm-hmm. right, of the work that we get to call yeah. to because there is a side behind the scenes. Yes, sir. Uh, to keep lights on, to serve people, yeah. to, to, to pay people, yeah. um, to have excellence. Uh, so here's the first thing I would say that I really learned. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Mm. Systems. And a lot of us have great goals, but if you do not have a system yeah. to sustain your productivity, mm-hmm. It's going to fall. Yeah. Every time. Right? And so uh, so I tell people, like, set goals, but then every goal needs to have a system attached to it to sustain the success. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so that was probably my, one of my biggest lessons yeah. in the business side of things. What we what I would find is we would have great momentum, and mm-hmm. they're like, where everybody go? Great attraction, yeah. but then yeah. have great retention mm-hmm. because the success couldn't be sustained without the systems mm-hmm. to support it. Yeah. Um, I also learned uh, uh, there's a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Mm-hmm. And I also learned, and, and, and he talked about all five dysfunctions, but here's the one I would raise. Uh, that healthy conflict is unavoidable yeah. if you want to continue to have healthy impact. Mm-hmm. Healthy conflict is mm-hmm. unavoidable if you want to continue to have healthy impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, you're going to have to call out culture. Yeah. Right? At some mm-hmm. point, you're going to have to bring culture. We all know that there's a difference between Chick-fil-A's culture and McDonald's culture. Yeah, for sure. Right? <laughs> no, I still love them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But there's a different culture. Mm-hmm. Here's how we like to define culture. Culture is how we do it here. Yeah. And your podcast and other and works that you'll do, it's a culture that you will create. Yeah. Well, once you set a culture, you got to protect the culture. Mm-hmm. Right? And the only way to protect the culture is through conflict. Yeah. Right? Iron sharpening iron. Right? Like, we, mm-hmm. we look at that picture, we quote it, but that means sparks got to fly. Yeah. Right? And so I think that was another business thing I learned. I also learned this about finances, is that margin is your best friend. Mm-hmm. Right? So financial margin is the key to future momentum. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I spend everything that I bring in, mm-hmm. there's nothing there to fuel or finance the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I encourage everybody like, like think about, right. How to build margin because margin is the key to momentum for the future. Mm-hmm. It's not if the opportunity is going to come for y'all It's when the opportunity yeah, comes. Yeah. Do I have the, the capital mm-hmm. to act on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I think that's another big one. The last thing I'll say from a business standpoint um, that I think is super important. This is a small like, one that I just really love talking about is build relationships with banking institutions. Mm-hmm. What I learned from our, our other brothers and sisters, yeah. right, yeah. is that uh, we go to the bank when we need something. They go to the bank to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So they they just talking to people in there. Hey, yeah. hey, John. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> you shoot under 70 the other day. Like, they just have a conversation. They yeah. just popping in the bank to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Because here's the deal about banks. Banks are still ran by people mm-hmm. and people make decisions about money. Yeah. And so as you are building uh, your network, build capital with people, build relational capital with people who can open up doors so that you can continue to build vision. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that we do in our society too often is we spend all of we take our time and we spend it with people who make us comfortable, mm-hmm. not people who are strategic for our future. Yes. And so, mm-hmm. man, find some time to spend it with those people who can also open up 
um, um, those doors for you to continue to grow and, 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 and step into the next season of vision. Yes. Thank so, you. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> so for people that want to grow in leadership, can you give them at least five people, whether preacher, entrepreneur, five uh, leaders or people that we need to study or watch their videos? Your favorite. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. So specifically for leadership, I mean, John Maxwell is John Maxwell, yeah, like, for sure. you know, yeah, for uh, sure. the GOAT. I've had a chance to spend um, a few times yeah. uh, with him, and I can tell you, most amazing thing about John Maxwell is his discipline. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, just his discipline to write, his discipline to learn, read, um, just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, at 70-something years old, he's still learning. Wow. All Crazy. the time. Um, so John Maxwell is a great one. Um, I would say Tony Dungy. Um, Tony Dungy. He's become a mentor. And, uh, and one thing that I admire, for those who don't know, he's the first African-American coach to ever win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He's written a lot of books as well. And, uh, and one of the things I admire about Tony is uh, just his authenticity, right? Like, I, I just think he just was so true to himself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was um, always great. Uh, leadership, all right. Um, Jim Collins. Um, wrote the book Good to Great. So mm -hmm. even if you don't like watch a lot of stuff he does, I think mm -hmm. he's a great person to read. Yeah, uh, yeah. his content uh, has just deeply formed my business approach and my leadership approach from an organization mm -hmm. infrastructure approach. All right, you said five. Yeah. Let's see what else. Um, I would definitely say so. This is probably. Uh, one that people don't think about as much now, or I haven't heard as much about yeah. it. TED Talks are still yeah. one of the best yeah. ways to create sure. diverse yeah. exposure. I just bought their right? book. To, huh? I just bought their book. Yeah, yeah. you know, to, I mean, you can go on YouTube and at any given point in time consume right all mm -hmm. of these thought mm -hmm. leaders talking about all these different ways in which to mm -hmm. grow yeah. communication, psychology, uh, relational. I mean, all the different things. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think TED Talks is another great way I form my leadership. And then if, here's what I say about communication. Yeah, uh, you can study a lot of preachers. Mm -hmm. You can study a lot of things. Here's my little, my little known thing. Yeah. I actually watch a lot of comedians. Comedians, because comedians, That's good. Mm -hmm. right, uh, have to do two things. One, they have to adjust to the audience. Mm -hmm. Well, who else did that? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They adjust to the audience that they're with. Not only that, right, but they still have um, a, a central theme. So the mm -hmm. genius of a comedian is they have a stick or a thing that they're going to carry with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all know Kevin Hart, right, is going to be like, <laughs> yeah. say it with your chest. Yeah. Or gonna, yeah. You know, do these things yeah. over and over again that you look forward to mm -hmm. while yet still being flexible and adaptable to the mm -hmm. environment and the context of the room that he's in. Yeah. So I think, man, like watching comedians has been a game changer to me having the versatility yeah. to step into different spaces and, and have different communication for those ones. Yeah. That's good. I'm definitely writing all that down. Now, facts, yeah. <laughs> now, I have another question because now it sparks my mind, my interest as far as do you think it's important for you to have a mentor or someone to basically help lead you in a way where you want to go in every area of your life as far as like fitness, finances, leadership, communications, all the different avenues in this world of where your life can be at? And for those that may not have a mentor, how yeah. do they go about finding one? Yeah. yeah. So I start with, do I think it's necessary only if you want to go somewhere yeah. in your life, right? Mm -hmm. It is a non-negotiable. You got to listen to somebody, mm -hmm. right? And you got to be willing to submit to mm -hmm. somebody's voice, somebody's yeah. experience, somebody's exposure. Um, so I think the answer to that question is emphatically mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> Find somebody to learn from, yeah. to listen mm -hmm. to, to grow under and grow with, um, undoubtedly, I think it's important. Now, you said something I think is very vital, and I think I'm going to connect it okay. to how do you go about finding a mentor, yes. and should you have different mentors for different areas? 
um, I think there, there are three kind of rules of thumb I think about for mentorship. Number one, uh, you need different mentors for different things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we have three oversight pastors, right? Well, one of them is like a phenomenal. Him and his wife are great for marriage, and they are mm-hmm. certified personality experts in couples relationships. Whereas another one has built a church before and mm-hmm. is great at helping us understand infrastructure and organization. In other words, I'm not expecting them to all be great at the same thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think having mentors for a different context of your life is vitally important. And yeah. don't force somebody to be something they're not just because you need it. Yeah. Right. And so definitely diversify. Uh, who who you got point job? I don't think you need twenty people, right? But you yeah. do need several yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Number two, I think anytime you're going to pursue a mentor, I think there are two things you gotta do. Number one, you need to integrate into their life. Mm-hmm. Don't ask them to integrate into. Yes. Your, yeah. 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 Right. Uh, I love this. Uh, that, that, that somebody told me one time. Most people worth talking to don't have the time to talk to you. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Period. Mm-hmm. Point blank. The, the the fact that you want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. It, by virtue of that is yeah. the reason why most people worth talking to don't have time to talk to you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as you pursue mentorship, you have to say, how am I willing mm-hmm. to be flexible in my time, in my schedule, so that I can gain access to this wisdom and this mm-hmm. knowledge? Yeah. Uh, for me, I wake up 4.35 a.m. pretty much every morning. I'm at the gym. I tell people who want to be mentored by me, like, hey, meet me at the gym. Yeah. Yeah. I got two small kids. When I get home from work, working all day, mm-hmm. my family is my priority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you want to learn, come, yeah. come to the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, if, if you don't want to wake up, yeah. you don't want the wisdom. That's true. Yeah. Right? Um, okay. uh, vice versa, um, or, or in that same vein, I think as you integrate into people's life, uh, also come with questions, mm-hmm. right? Because time is valuable. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. only irredeemable resource. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we don't waste time. We steward it. Yeah. Right. And so come with questions. Uh, and here's the last thing I tell people. This is my little note fact. Anybody that I mentor uh, and I encourage them to have other mentors and other people they talk to. Mm-hmm. And I think they would say this. Mm-hmm. Um, I always am big on this. Anytime somebody invests time with you and wisdom into you, make sure that you follow up and show them how you've used what they gave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cannot begin to tell you how many times I've spent hours with people. And then uh, looked up and been like, but have you used what I gave you? Yeah. Vice versa, one of the things I do with anybody who mentors me is a month after they sat down with me or 60 days after they sat down with me, I will send them a picture. I will send them a video. I will send them a message mm-hmm. simply showing them, hey, this is how I am giving you a ROI, a return on your mm-hmm. investment. Yeah. I want you to see that I took what you did. So if it's a picture of the room because I showed you an idea and you told me how to do it better, mm-hmm. hey, I want you to see what yeah. your wisdom produced. Mm-hmm. And so then I they know that I won't waste your time, yeah. but I'm also going to use it as a seed to produce mm-hmm. more harvest. This is good. Man. This episode, this is one you got to go back and watch because we didn't went from faith, we didn't went, we didn't went from finances. a lot of finances, we didn't went through a lot of things that you could learn from this episode. Um, we appreciate you because you most so of the much. questions that we asked is for us anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, had, we had to get real selfish on this we one. Y'all got something too, but yeah, yeah, this was a great episode. Um, yeah, I'm amazed. Nah, I'm definitely yeah. taking multiple notes <laughs> on this episode for sure because we're really in a season of basically trying to basically learn how to walk in, becoming better leaders, becoming better in the structure aspect, the finances, knowing how to navigate everything. Because we're new to this, we're basically getting thrown in the fire right now, trying to figure everything out. So we're trying to gain as much knowledge as possible. And we really appreciate your time. Thank you for even having us here. Yes. Well, let me say, man, thank you for what y'all are doing. Yes, sir. Um, I know y'all probably hear this often, but the impact that y'all are having um, is, is not only necessary for a time such as this, 
Uh, but I just genuinely believe, man, like, like you guys are uh, taking a generation with you. And I think you're going to be surprised uh, at not just the generation of your peers, but not a generation coming after them and the generation that is ahead of you mm-hmm. who's going to come to you to learn. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. man, my, my, my encouragement to you, man, just keep, keep saying yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Even if you don't know the end. I can tell you right now, you're going to look up in a decade yeah. and be like, we didn't see this, mm-hmm. but we kept saying yes to next. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and it's going to certainly show fruit, man. For yes, sure. Sir. We definitely got yeah, you. For definitely. Sure. Thank you so much. And can you share them? Share with them your Instagram, your socials, anything? And your you, church locations as church well. Church locations as well, yeah. In the area, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, man. You can definitely follow us at the Life Church RBA and the Life Church DMV on social media. Uh, you can also uh, continue to join us here in person. Uh, we're at 5515 Bryce Lane here in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we're also at West Potomac High School uh, in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, and uh, definitely you can continue to just uh, support uh, all that God is doing by just praying for us, man. We're excited to be a part of a kingdom movement for this day and time and uh, looking forward to continuing to partner with great people like yourselves to make this kingdom bigger. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Yes, Appreciate sir. y'all, Thank man. You so much. Make sure y'all like, comment, subscribe. And if y'all want to watch the behind-the-scenes vlog, that will be posted on YouTube as well. Yeah. Click the link right here in the video. Yeah. There's going to be a link right there for you to watch behind-the-scenes. And as always, it's more, always more purpose. You just have to find yours. Yes, sir. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Y'all be safe. Love. Yes, sir.